Hey, welcome to another episode of Clear Light Connections, where we talk to the people behind the businesses of Bay Area Houston. We are proudly sponsored by UTMB Health. Uh, special guest today is Captain Peen, and you are with the UTMB Police System. Correct. Yep. And you were telling me something interesting before we started that uh, you're you're actually part of the University of Texas Police System. Correct. Which gives you pretty much statewide jurisdiction. Yes, we um, our commission is being held by the Regents and UT System. And so there's one of 14 components. And so all of us wear the same uniform, have the same police units for the most part. Um, so we can, if, if there was a big incident like a hurricane or any kind of critical incident at other institutions, we can kind of trade off and be mutual aid for each other. Um, so yeah, so we're one of 14, but so we have jet, statewide jurisdiction um, because anywhere in the state of Texas where the University of Texas owns or leases property, we have jurisdiction in that county. So it ends up being like 98% of the state. That, that's amazing. So it, it just gives people a sense of how big the University of Texas system is. Yeah, it's huge. It's yeah. everywhere. Anytime it's, even if you just got one little satellite clinic, that then gives us jurisdiction for that county. But you in particular, you're you're down in Galveston and Lake mm -hmm. City and, and I guess up here at Clear Lake as well because of UTMB. Yeah, so our main campus is down in Galveston on the island. And then we have uh, one at Lake City. One at um, Webster, the Clear Lake campus, and then one out in Angleton. So we're in Harris County, Galveston, and Brazoria County. And you guys, there's a big focus right now on workplace and the uh, workplace violence. Right. And and you have kind of an interesting dichotomy because not only are you uh, a, a huge workplace on, with the hospital system, but but you're also a school. So tell me what that means to y your department specifically. Um, I think for policing, generally speaking, uh, we have a very well extremely unique environment um for our campus because we've got a level one trauma we've got helicopters that are coming and going at all of our campuses um we've also got like the cruise ship right there we've got critical infrastructures all around we're also school of nursing school of medicine we've got multiple graduate schools programs going um and we've also got the galveston element to where you've got a um a summer tourist um, vibe and huge events like Mardi Gras or Biker Rally. Um, so we have this whole milieu of different circumstances that um, cause us to not really have typical days yeah. <laughs> very often. So we have to put on different hats depending on what we're dealing with. Um, and we also have the BSL-4 lab down there that we're in charge of security for also. And so, but, but you guys have a, a very heightened training that you've been through and, yes. and you, you help train others so, in in this kind of situation so active shooter is obviously um a hot topic right now um even more so it's been for a while but ever since uvaldi it kind of went straight to the top again um so everybody's doing vast amounts of training on everything from breaching to you know um coordinated responses to tabletops to incident command and everything um so we've recently just put um, I think six classes on where we had all the DPS in the region were down training with us um, as well as the county and a couple of other departments that were putting some people in so we have a we have a fair amount of instructors we also do the civilian um, active response and so that allows for us to be able to get the staff and the visitors or students prepared for how to react to something like that but yes, I mean, the fact that workplace violence is happening everywhere to include active shooter type situations, um, 
they unfortunately it's getting more and more broad as far as the type of environments that those are happening but the risk factors are always going to be with um, school campuses schools and um, hospitals so I, I read this interesting fact that uh, I guess a mass shooting is defined by any shooting where there's at least four people involved mm-hmm. and the and number usually one location yeah and and the number has but I think it was by mid-year this year we'd already had more than double the, the, the previous year. What's going For, on with that? I, if I had the answer to that, I would not be working as a police captain. <laughs> I'd be out like trying to figure it all out. Um, no, so I know 2021 had like 61 active shooter incidents, and then 2020 had 40, and then there were 30 um, in 2018 and 19. So whatever is going on is increasing. Um, and that's kind of scary because it's happening at grocery stores and everything. Um, But in addition to that, I think that a lot of it with the pandemic has probably added a lot of stressors to everybody, Um, Mm -hmm. whether people were having to deal with kids at home or whether they were laid off or whether the work from home element added different dynamics to things. Then you have a healthcare system that's like overloaded. So um, we've had workplace violence shoot up pretty dramatically um, in just about every way that it can. And so we've had to kind of come up with a lot of different ways to kind of combat that and try and make sure that we can do the best that we can because the system's already over, like I said, overloaded. People are stressed, um, especially the nurses that are working, you know, twice as many shifts as they would have. And so, and people are just coming in agitated. It's just a scary time for everybody. Um, so do you guys, you, I know you offer training to other law enforcement mm-hmm. agencies. You, you also mentioned that you guys will train, uh, will you train businesses and, and, and other entities on yeah, we've done we've done do. some um, we've done community type um, education training events, just how to respond, what to look out for. Um, it's kind of like the see something, say something. Um, what are risk behaviors and stuff like that, and then how to respond, um, like looking somebody from head to toe, because a lot of people will be like, okay, well, what did they look like? And they'll kind of bounce around trying to see what's standing out to their memory. Um, when the better way to do it is to just like, okay, I've got a white female with blue top blue leggings white shoes um so just go top to bottom and then just methodically read it out and it makes it a lot easier for us to get the information disseminated so what should our business owners be doing to kind of heed the warning sign what what are those warning signs what what should we be looking for as business owners and business people uh within our businesses so there's no 100 percent perfect way to predict you know when somebody has a full propensity for violence and whether they could get to that level um unfortunately but there's um anybody that's got like an altered mental status or mental illness those are risk factors or they're under the influence of something um generally all workplace violence is predicted by verbal threats or just verbal aggressiveness And so when you actually look at how workplace violence is defined these days, like by OSHA and other organizations, they are defining it as everything that could be related to it. So it's like physical assaults to um, verbal threats to intimidation to aggressive body language, um, harassment. Like So everything is being included in it because it's all predictive up to a certain point. And so the... I guess the better that we can articulate and understand how much of an issue it is and what's being it's better to have an all-inclusive standpoint than it is to only include assaults because at that point it's already gotten to an escalated point where things have gotten physical 
And so if we really understand where the buildup is, then we understand how to better prevent it and then intervene. And so I think that for business owners, like um, there's always going to be hardened security, which is a smarter way to just do things, protect yourself, be aware of situational awareness, what's around, who's around, what looks out of place. Um, like make sure that your stuff is, you know, doors locked, windows locked, um, anything that's vulnerable. You could always try and have, uh, I don't know, ask a family friend or something like, Casey, how would you get into my place? Um, it, it always helps to put yourself in the bad guy's shoes. Um, and then people can get creative and it's sometimes it's stuff that you wouldn't have even thought of. And so being able to take in, to take those type of measures into account help. Um, and then camera systems, obviously, uh, the better systems that can record for longer or have a longer retention period um, that are more detailed. So because we get a lot of videos that sometimes come in that um, they're blurry, you know, mm -hmm. so it's like, oh, well, I know that's probably a male. But then besides that, you can't get too good of a facial characteristics or anything to be able to work with essentially so um or a license plate you can get a make a model but like once you get past that you can tell that it's maybe texas mm -hmm. but you know it's like it gets blurred and then you have to kind of well and it is 2022 we've had hd for a long time now people yeah. probably should be upgrading their yeah. their, their yeah. systems a bit um but then besides that just um if it seems like somebody things like 55 percent of um active shooters like have a, a relationship to the place so if there's somebody who's an ex-employee or you had a somebody that was i don't know stealing from your business whatever it might be and there's any kind of bad blood or bad dynamic there um have that on your radar and so if they show up or if there's strange things that start happening to where you know somebody's i don't know gra graffiti you know something that where they're trying to damage the appearance of something then um, take that into consideration and it's much easier to document anything that seems off and then that way you can prove and have evidence for it and obviously if there's any kind of crime or any kind of thing that's outright damage or anything that is overtly threatening then they should be calling 911 and get yeah. a police report going and so really what you're, you're saying is is no matter what it is no matter how small it might seem document it because you don't want it to escalate to that next level. Yes, and then you're able to establish trends. And so if it's building and getting to, say, there's a big, so the, the flip side of all of the training and the, um, the, the hardened security factors is the behavioral element. And so that's one of the things, like we have a whole threat management team that's with the police department where um, we've been trained at Nabita. It's a threat management um national certification and that essentially allows you to interact with somebody but then also be able to determine what the risk factors are for them to escalate and so like we get a lot of reports like that and we want them you know like it's the whole see something say something so if your spidey sense is off and you're like mm, that doesn't feel right we we as a society have a tendency now to kind of like discredit it call it you know called Dalton and yeah. be like, no, I'm just tired. No, I've been working long hours. No, I'm sure it's just me being paranoid because I watched that scary movie last night. So we have a ability to kind of discredit and discount those thoughts. And when in nine times out of 10, like you're on to something. And then like, that's why you get so many people when you do actually have an incident that they're like, you know, looking back on things, a, B, and C was there, yeah. and it kind of has clicked. And I, so I think people forget that we've survived this long because of those right. types of they're very innate. Yeah, yeah, and 
and and to discount them at this point is kind of I, I guess you do so at your own risk. We're still you know not that far removed from yeah, well, basically I mean, that being the only way you were going to survive. Right, and we've gotten away from the community aspect of things, unfortunately. So there's not like that collective efficacy of things so it's a lot easier for me to discount it because I don't want to cause trouble for anybody else than it is for me to actually take action upon that and then be somebody that is potentially you know snitched on somebody Mm -hmm. or caused question for somebody and without having something proof written to go with yeah but that can again cause issues you don't I mean ideally you don't want the proof right you don't want it to get to that point so it's better to say something earlier so let's then heaven forbid we find ourselves in a situation we're at work mm-hmm. and the violence does erupt what are what are the things that we as employees and and managers should should know and be doing um from a business standpoint if you were standalone business and you've got the alarm systems and you can trigger it by all means trigger it because like that will initiate a response um i think that the damage that has occurred with active shooter type situations are generally related to the target availability not to sound detached like that but it's target availability and um the response time because i think it's like 74 percent of active shooters are killed um by when the police actually respond so they're either um killed and or arrested uh, or surrender and then like the remaining percentages where they've committed suicide but it's generally after the police have arrived on scene and so like it helps to go through any of the drills and stuff so that way you can be kind of prepared from the psychological element like fight or flight is a very real thing and so it helps to kind of go through in your mind what you would do if somebody like somebody came in with a gun right now whether it's to you know cause as much damage as possible or whether it's just to rob for money um and they don't actually plan on hurting somebody those situations can go you know sideways pretty quickly Mm -hmm. and so being able to think of okay what would i do what would my initial steps be like where do i have reinforced walls i know it sounds silly but nowhere sheetrock is bullets are just going to go through that so what is penetratable what isn't um and then it kind of went from run hide fight to now um avoid deny defend and so you want to kind of if you can avoid a situation like don't don't if you hear shots in a in, and you're in a strip center you know don't run towards the shots or, or wait like if it's something that you're like nope that wasn't right like go the opposite direction um of course you have to be careful if you're in like a large grocery store or something because you're going to get echoes and stuff yeah um so you just want to be conscious of that but the main thing being avoid it for all intensive purposes know where your emergency exits are um know how like you wouldn't want to have a back door to a store that has a big padlock that you would then have to have you know the dexterity to get a key in Mm -hmm. to unlock so that you could then exit um like if you're there you need to have crash bar or start rethinking a way to do that so that you can get a quick out if you need to um because ultimately when push comes to shove nobody wants to get hurt and lose their life and property can be replaced i understand that it's some you know heartfelt and especially for business owners who their life has you know put into whatever they're selling or service that they're giving but it's not worth it just get out and then so after that you want to try and deny them by locking the door um putting stuff in front of it 
finding a way to communicate that you need help or that somebody is actively aggressing. I don't want to, I don't want to harp on the active shooter element because I'm sure that you've seen there's a lot of people with swords or stabbings mm-hmm. lately. So, um, that I don't want to, you know, make it seem like it's only ever going to be gunshots, yeah. unfortunately. Um, and then the other thing is just going to be, if push comes to shove, it's not a, you, you fight and so defend that's throw the stuff at them, do whatever you can do. Like if you end up calling 911, just leave the phone line open and hide the phone. Like, and they'll, you'll have dispatch on the other side. That'll be able to kind of try and gather information. Yeah. And, and I think what we found out in a lot of these instances is school, well, schools in particular, but retail wasn't designed to have a lot of ways in or out. It's mm-hmm. designed to keep you there. Mm-hmm. And so those are particularly, I go into a store and I'm like, yeah, I, you know, I start thinking about that. Like if, if something does happen, there's not a whole lot of places to go to. Right. Right. Yeah. And if so, you have somewhere like, um, you have somewhere like a grocery store where you're like, okay, I'm, I'm halfway down aisle four. It's easy for officers responding to be like, okay, I've got an area to go to. If you have one of those stores where you've got sections, I don't know, we've got like babies versus, mm-hmm. you know, women's something or other um, sportswear. Like if you're not familiar with that store, it's not a national brand or something like that. Like you're not going to know where to go to. So it's always good to know your north, south, east or west or have a reference point. Um, like I'm near the door closest to the freeway, um, or I'm on the North side, I think. And it seems like shots are coming from Southwest corner. Um, something that's given them a point of reference, um, that, that pinpoint information is hugely important. Um, I can't emphasize that enough, especially even if you are the person that is avoiding. So therefore, whenever you respond, you're out the door. If you know that you saw a shooter and what the shooter was wearing, um, like give us the head to toe and let us know the direction of travel type of weapons or multiple weapons, whether one or two of them and what direction were they heading? Because that way we have, I mean, if people are doing that as they're running by, then we can then respond accordingly. because it does take, I mean, there's a lot of solo entry training and stuff right now. It's just a stop the killing is, you know, that's all we're worried about. But there's also the consideration of like, if you get like, so if we have somebody on campus that calls 911 from their cell phone, it's going to loop over to GPD. GPD might have different information than we would have. And so if they're coming in from one side and we're coming in from another side, you know, that could end up in a not so good situation and so the more intel that we have the more that we can coordinate and have a more informed response that way we can kind of neutralize the threat quicker yeah and it sounds like a lot of this is i'm with a financial institution so we do robbery training every Mm -hmm. year but it's it's about thinking about it right it's Mm -hmm. about being more aware and not just kind of going through the motions and and really paying attention yeah i mean situational awareness is a huge thing it's even if it's somebody walking into your store and they've got a baggy shirt but they happen to turn a certain way and you'll happen to see like they've got a holster or something or the person that is um i mean we're in texas especially everybody carries pocket knives and stuff like that but you've got some people that have like really large weapons if somebody comes in in a trench coat and it's you know the summer anything that could be or over like we've had guitar cases you know um something that could conceal something relatively easily um then that pay attention to it and then if it's out of place particularly for your business or what the surroundings are then res- like respond accordingly it's always better to have somebody i 
you know, I know the call volume can get heavy and stuff, but I would rather us respond to a suspicious activity and have somebody check out and be like, okay, all good. Like our apologies. Have a good day. Great yeah. day. Then the opposite. Yeah. Um, so, but you'd be surprised how much, um, once you start paying attention to people's profiles and people's behaviors, how you can get a lot of information from that. So we have police, uh, that work security for us at mm -hmm. all of our branches. And so you, you kind of, you know, you become friends with them and you, and mm -hmm. you learn a lot more. And I remember I've called the cops so many times because I see something that, that doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. Like I'll remember I was driving, uh, past the elementary school and I saw a car parked across the street with a guy with a camera. I didn't hesitate, called, found out it was a custody dispute. So it was, I mean, it was okay, but that's the kind of stuff that people need to pay attention to. Um, yeah, we have a habit of not, unfortunately at this point, yeah. it's a, well, that's not really my business, so I'll leave it alone. Yeah. But I mean, that's it's just better to be safe than sorry so how long have you been uh, doing this 10 years and what got you into policing and then particularly i guess policing at, at a university um oh that's a long answer so i got interested I, I just started reading books when i was like a young teenager and so i was interested in the serial murders and all that stuff and then i came across a couple of cases that were interesting because people could lawyer up and buy their way out of things. And so that always like added a different dynamic to things. Um, so I found that interesting and then it kind of went from there. Like I just got interested in everything. So I went to school for, I did things backwards. I went to school first. And then um, in part of my research, I was uh, at the Texas Police Chiefs Conference and I ended up talking to sitting and having lunch with one of the groups of chiefs and I said how many of you would um, hire a graduate student as a brand new officer and like everybody put their head down but the the chief that was next to me and that was the chief at UTMB okay and so um, I applied like two years later so UTMB we, we talk about this with the doctors and everything it's got a really great culture mm -hmm. and and I guess th 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 that should help with policing right yes yes it does um, it's very I think we do have a very good community policing relationship going. We want to make sure that we're not always just there to enforce. We're there to make sure that everybody feels safe because you're only as effective at policing our, our community and our little neighborhood as you are their ability to feel safe and doing what they need to do. Like they need to take care of people and know that if somebody's come in and they're on PCP or somebody's come in and had a psychotic break or somebody's just not handling, I don't know, especially like visitation policy. Like that's been a whole lot for people um, given COVID restrictions and stuff. It's a way to de-escalate, but yet let them know like, okay, you can do your work safely and we can make sure that everything's going to be okay here and not rise to the point where it's going to blow up. Well, I, I'm going to pay you guys a huge compliment because most of my doctors are UTMB uh, doctors and I have never seen a police force as present as yours. Every time I go to my doctor, any, you guys are ever present, and I think that's that's pretty remarkable in this day and age. Thank you. Yeah, we, we work pretty hard at that. So we, we talked a little bit about, you know, what we as business owners or, you know, should be doing during the, an episode of workplace violence, but as the police, you have kind of a unique role, and, and people might, I hate to, for, for the lack of a better word, you might not be able to help them right away because your primary role is is to take care of the situation. So it's like the solo officer entry that I brought up, like 
originally her years back it would be that you would always formulate a team and go in as a contact team um but even now it's like the emphasis is just stop the killing as quickly as you can so you're not going to wait on backup if you can't like if they're a ways out for whatever reason and so the main thing is going out there and neutralizing the threat you can't have uh those type situations are more damaging the more target availability you have more people that are around so um if I stop and help people as I'm going, or I'm stopping and questioning as I'm going, even though I just I understand the information is important, but at the same time, like I'm going to have to walk by people that are actively bleeding out and may even lose their life because otherwise I, ha- I just have to neutralize the threat. Yeah, and that's um, I know that's something that a lot of people have a hard time grasping, um, but it's just going to end up with more of the people that I'm walking by if I don't go and neutralize the threat. So the priority is always to take care of the the active attack. Well, it's to make it safe so that people right. that have the training can come in behind you and, and right. take care of the, the, the wounded. And trust the fact that there's already, like, once you've got multiple teams that are going in, there's already rescue teams that are setting up. And there is a lot of coordinated training going on right now between different, like, it's multidisciplinary. So you've got EMS that's wearing bulletproof vests now, um, and you've got rescue trainers or rescue police that are on the contact team that are EMS trained. So that, um, I mean, when we're saying we're walking by people, obviously there's tunnel vision and everything, but I'm just scanning for a threat and then responding. Um, But once you start having multiple people come in or it's slowed down even just a bit, like it might be that I'll pull a tourniquet out and throw it to you and keep going. Um, but my priority is not to, uh, render aid at that point. Yeah. And that's just kind of the nature of the beast. Um, it's just going to end up causing more harm if I do anything otherwise. Yeah. And we already kind of hit on it, but you're in a healthcare setting and that is probably one of the fastest growing segments of workplace violence. Yeah. The healthcare setting has become, um, it's like an, an epidemic right now as far as workplace violence in that setting um there's like i said people are frustrated um but mental health services are overwhelmed and or people have had a different amount of stressors because of the pandemic and you know economic factors and all that stuff so people are already on edge um they're not able to get the resources or the services um like we don't have an inpatient psychiatric hospital in galveston county so if we have to take somebody to where they need to get fully institutionalized, we have to take them up to Houston. And so there's a delay in the amount of um, resources that are adequately available on, on site, you know, quickly. And so, like, for that reason, like, we have a lot of dealings with mental health um, people that are in a bad shape of crisis um, or been off medication and there's sometimes a comorbidity factor with them using a lot of drugs too. Um, so it's the drugs or the mental health or a combination of both. Um, and that can cause a lot of, uh, tense interactions and threats, assaults and otherwise. And so, yeah, workplace violence has gone up quite a bit. We've had like, we had 56 incidents at UTMB last year. Oh, wow. Um, and a lot of them are in the ER. But so we usually have officers posted there. There's a lot of things that we're doing to try and make sure that we can respond as quickly as we can um, or be there to prevent it. And then there's a big outreach right now in um, training and educating the medical staff um, to or anybody for that matter, to include students and anybody else to make sure that they are like situational awareness. Again, it's a big thing, but 
uh, you're in a confined space when you're in a patient room. So don't put yourself at a disadvantage where you're behind, you know, a bed. There's a huge medical bed. And then if that person aggresses and gets up, like you're now like the aggressors between you and help or you and your exit. So understanding that when you have a confined space, um, training on pre-attack indicators, so the clenched fist, people like starting to breathe heavy, uh, like thousand yard stare, um, those type things are all indicators that things are escalating quickly. Um, and like I said, pre-attack indicators. So yeah. it, those are self-explanatory, but being able to make sure that people are playing an active role in their own defense um like one of the best ways to de-escalate a situation is to disengage and walk away um and that's uh, there's a huge emphasis right now with policing generally for de-escalation right now and verbal judo being able to talk people down but um we have a tendency of like just as humans to try and talk through it and the the best way to do it is to disengage and give yourself like let, let the situation breathe for a second and then go back and that applies to businesses and anybody else. That applies to my personal life. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we've got we've we've done a lot with that. We've got really high grade camera system across campus. I think we've got like two thousand cameras. It's it's an insane amount. They've got like facial recognition, um, and we can ask it to look for. It's got an analytics program that comes with it, so we can ask it to look for a white male with a backpack that walks through and it's going to sim through and only show us the white males with the backpack and so that's a really good um it, it saves a lot of time because we're not going through systems for hours or days on end to try and look for clues and um we've also got gunshot detection um so it's an automatic response from us it's not going to wait for somebody to call 911 because even that response time is going to save us a lot of very important seconds or minutes. Well, it sounds like between the technology and the training, mm-hmm. you, you, you told us we had 54 or 56 incidents. Mm-hmm. And, Last year. And not, I didn't hear about any of them in, in the news, so mm-hmm. I, that's obviously a good indicator that, that the training is, is working. Yeah, yeah, we're trying. So, well, thank you for the information. I appreciate it. Thank you.